praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm very excited. Very excited about what I'm sharing with you today. Amen. Say to the person next to you, you are blessed because you're here. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Understanding grace. We are in the series of how to walk in the Spirit. And in order to walk in the Spirit, we must understand the meaning of grace. It's very important. It's vital to our walk in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. If you can give me one second. Praise God. I need to bring up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because I've added something this morning by the Lord's leading, so I'm getting it. So can you give me one second? Is that okay? Yes, bind you therefore in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Say with me, nothing can interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. We were saved by grace. I was lost. And then the grace of God saved me. I still remember how I was saved. I was in Bangkok, Thailand. My mother had just passed away. I was a Catholic. Sunny and I, we were Catholics. We were Catholics in Hong Kong. And then we went to Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, my mother passed away. And... Uh, I was still sad, of course. And I remember I had my son, Dylan. You know, he was my first child. And then uh, we had started a business in Bangkok. Uh, We were selling fashion, you know, ladies' clothes, beautiful ladies' clothes imported from France, um, made in France. And then uh, I remember, I still remember my hairstyle. I still remember what I looked like. And uh, I was leaving the complex. In those days, we were living in a complex because we were waiting for our house to be built. And then uh, it's called Patana Court. And I was walking. I was walking because I had to take a tuk-tuk, you know, to go to my workplace. And I was walking and towards the gate. And uh, I had a maid who took care of my son. And she rushed down the stairs and she called me and she screamed and she yelled at me. And she said, ma'am, Dylan said that grandma appeared to him. You know, of course, he couldn't really say those words, but that's what she felt. And then he kept saying, grandma, grandma. And I said, what? You know, he's just a baby. I said, what? But then I was so gripped with fear. I was so gripped with fear. And I said, no, no. 
because my mom had just passed away. So if grandma wanted Dylan, that would mean that he would die. And I said, no, no, no. And then my maid, because she's Buddhist, because Thailand is a Buddhist country. And then my maid, and then she said to me, let's go to the temple. And uh, in those days, you know, when you go to the temple, they could say something, you know, to bring protection to you. And what they would do is that they would tie a string around your wrist to protect you. And I said, yes, let's go. And as soon as I said yes, it's like I've never, in those days, I had never felt the presence of God. But as soon as I said no, as soon, sorry, as, soon as I said yes, it's just like the hand of God came into the inside of me and just grabbed me. And then he said, have you forgotten me? Now, I was a Catholic. I wasn't a Christian. I knew God, but I didn't know God as much as I know him now. And I said, no. And I said to my mate, no, we can't go to a Buddhist temple. And I believe it was from that moment of obedience. It's from that moment of obedience that God started to continue to manifest himself in my life. And there were Christians in Patana Court. There were Christians in that complex. And, uh, and then they started to invite me to their home group. They started to invite Sonny and myself to their home group. And even when I was a Catholic, I had really wanted to know God. I, I think I've shared with you that even when I was a little child, even when I was in primary school, I studied in a Catholic school, a primary school with nuns. And even in those days, you know, they had a convent in the school compound. And I had always wanted to go to that convent, you know, to, that, to go to that convent because to go to that chapel. It's just like something was pulling me and attracting me to the presence of God and to the realm of God. And then it was so weird because when I was in high school, uh, the... The nun, you know, she was, she is a Filipino. And then uh, on one hand, she kept saying to me that I'm not good enough to be in the choir. But then on the other hand, she kept telling me to go to the choir. And then she kept chucking her tantrum. And I just felt something weird, something strange. But my heart was like drawn, drawn to to the presence of God, to God. And then when I finished university, when I started teaching in Mary North Sister School in Hong Kong, the principal of that school, who is a nun, she's a nun. And uh, she hired me. She liked me. And then I quit. I left that school. I went into the computer business. And then I was still in touch with uh, one of my colleagues and then she called me, her name's Pauline Arthur, and she called me and she said to me, Dora, you know, it's so weird. She said, the principal, she's passing off, right? She's dying. She's passing away. And then she said, you know what she said? She said, tell Dora to go back to teaching. Tell Dora to go back to teaching. And I said, so weird. I said, What? She could still remember me. I had quit that school. I wasn't, you know, in that school anymore. And she could still remember me. And she said to Pauline Arthur to ring me up and tell me to go back to teaching. I said, this is so weird. 
And then go back, fast forward to when I was in Bangkok, Thailand. I was a Catholic. And then I started joining. And then the first time I joined this home group, the first time I joined that home group, I felt the presence of God. I had no idea what it meant by the presence of God. I felt the presence of God so strong over me. And I started crying and crying and crying and crying. And Sonny was with me. And he said, could you just stop stop crying? You know, it's embarrassing. Why are you crying? I said, I don't know. And I just cry and I cry. It's like I poured my heart out. And I said, I said, I want to know God. I want to know God like, like you do. Because those Christians, they knew God. And I said, I want to know God like you do. Now, the reason why God had put into my heart to share this with you is that it's so important for you to go back to your first love. To go back to how you got saved. To go back to how you got born again. It's by grace. It's by grace I was saved. It wasn't what I do. It wasn't who I was in those days. It was the grace of God. Nobody could do anything about it. Nobody could change me. Nobody could put me there in the grace of God. But it was the grace of God that drew me into his presence. It's the grace of God that saved me and translated me out of the world, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about grace, we're talking about the works of God. We're talking about the saving work of God. We're talking about the deliverance of the Holy Spirit. How many of you still remember how you were saved to lift up your hands? Don't ever allow that moment to slip you by. It is so important. It is so real. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Not of ourselves. The faith was given unto me. I didn't have any faith. The faith was given unto me and that got me saved. I still remember, I could still recall how some of you came to church. I could still recall the time when Sarah opened the door of the church and I saw her for the first time. I could still remember your hairstyle. I could still remember the dress that you wore. I still remember how Melly and Dooley got saved. I still remember how Melly got saved. She came to our prayer meeting. The time of your salvation is so precious. It's so, so precious. It's so, so precious. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For by grace are you saved. Can we lift up the hands? Can we lift up our hands to God for our salvation? Just lift up your hands to the Lord for your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the grace that continue to work in my life. It was the grace that gave me the hunger and the thirsting for God. I just wanted to know him.
because I did not know him. I wanted to know everything about God. I opened the Bible. It's not the same Bible anymore because now it's the Bible of the Holy Spirit. It's like the Bible was opened to me for the first time. And I started having dreams, visions, a longing and a desire to know God more and more and more. The passion started to grow. And I remember we were in our room. It was at night. For some reason, we had to burn a candle. And we put that candle on the table. It was a wooden table. It was, you know, because it's a rented place. It's not a beautiful table. It was like a rented place, a wooden table. And uh, Sunday did not know it. If he had known, he would have stopped me. But I put a table, I put a candle there without any dishes without anything, you know, without, what do you call it? A service. So I just, I just put that table on, I just put that candle on the table with no saucer. And it continued to burn. And it continued to burn. And I realized that it's the grace of God that we didn't burn up the whole thing. (laughs) We didn't burn the table. And then I remember there was one night and I was sleeping and I was sleeping deep into my sleep. And suddenly I felt a sharp pain in my ears, a sharp pain in my ears. It was like somebody piercing my ears with a needle. And then for the first time, I heard the audible voice of God. Now I had heard the audible voice of God twice. And this is the first time. This was the first time. And I heard God saying to me, now that your ears are open, I will continue to speak to you. And I heard, I don't know how to describe it, but when I read the book of Revelation, I realized that it's the water. It's the voice of many waters. It's the voice of many waters. And I heard that. The voice of many waters. And I heard the voice of God saying to me, now that your ears are open, I will continue to speak to you. And I woke up. I woke up and I elbowed Sonny. I said, Sonny, Sonny, I just heard the voice of God. Sonny. And Sonny said, that's good for you. Just let me sleep. But I was so real. And my life was drastically, completely changed. It is very real to have an encounter with God. It's very, very real to be touched by God. And if you continue to read this, for by grace are you saved, that's the first step. Through faith, the faith that was given to you, the first measure that you need to grow, that you need to cultivate, and you need to use. And that not of yourselves. If we go back to that place of our salvation, that would humble us. I still remember how Joshua came to church, Joshua Clark and Trendra. I still remember how Trendra first came and she wasn't a Christian then. They were about to get married. Those are very important memories. Very precious memories 
Lift up your hands and say with me, I remember what is good. And empty out what is bad. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I still remember how Joshua's mom came to this church. Thank you, Jesus. I don't believe in accidents. I believe in divine connections. Divine connections. How God would connect you with people for you, for your own good. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. How many of you want more gifts? More gifts from God. Lift up your hands. More gifts. Come on, say with me, more gifts. More gifts. Amen. Knock of works. Lest any man should boast. Come on, continue. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Come on, say with me, I am his workmanship. He's working on you. He's working on me. He's working on you. He's working on me. So it's better that I yield to him. It's better that I submit to his work. It's better that I know his work. For I am his workmanship. I'm not working myself. He is working on me. I'm not working my life. He is working my life. Come on, say with me. I am his workmanship. Where were you created? Not when you were born of the flesh. When were you created? Not when you were born of your mother and father. When were you created? Where were you created? Come on, tell me. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And to good works. Not the works of this world. Not the works of this world. Unto the good works of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which God hath before ordained. There's a predestination that God has for you. There's a destiny that God has for you. Make sure you walk in it. Walk in the destiny that God has for you. Walk in the preordination that God has for you, which God hath before Ordained, predestined, made holy. That's the word ordained. When you walk in what God has ordained for you, you're walking in holiness. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now lift up your hands and receive the revelations from these scriptures. Receive the spirit from these scriptures. Receive the revelations from these scriptures that you may walk in them. That you may walk in them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to realize that there is a progression. There is a salvation. There is a hunger and thirst, a hungering and a thirsting to grow. And there's the work of God in your life. And then there is the witnessing that God had ordained for you to do. I remember when we first uh, came into Australia, we first landed in uh, Sydney. And we had a friend there and we visited our friends. 
His name is Joe Soon. And we visited him in Sydney. And I remember I was holding uh, Trisha because she was a baby. And she was very, very much bonded with me. You know, she would cry whoever I would, you know, give her to, to hold for me. So even though we were in the middle of the dinner, I was holding her. I couldn't, you know, couldn't really eat because I was holding her. But there was such a fire in me. There was such a fire in me. And what did I do? I kept witnessing. I kept telling my friend, Josun, and I kept telling his wife, and I kept telling them, and I kept telling them about my salvation, how I got born again, how I became a Christian. And I kept telling them the miracles that I had experienced, the miracles that I had. Why did I do that? I did not know. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God. It's the fire burning in me. It's the Spirit of God. It's the fire burning in me. It's so important. After you had been saved, don't compromise and lose that spirit. After you've been saved, don't compromise because of the people around you. People telling you what to do, what they want you to do, or what they don't want you to do. And you lose that fervency, that leading, and that guidance of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know what I'm saying? Your salvation comes with a package. Your salvation comes with a package. That's called your destiny. That's called your calling. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the grace will come into your life. The grace will come into your life. What for? For the obedience of faith. What God put in you to do, you cannot do it except by faith. But grace will come through so that you can obey the faith. That's why it is so important. So important for us to stay in the realm of the Spirit. So important for, stay, for us to stay in the realm of the Holy Ghost. The realm of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For your salvation comes with a package. And let that package or let that plan of God for your life continue to open up, open up, open up. Open up, unfold, 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 open up. And don't lose your calling because you've bought a house, because you have a cow, because <laughs> you have your children, because you have your grandchildren, because you have your business, because you have your studies, because of what the people around you are telling you what to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, say with me, don't compromise. One more time, don't compromise. Don't lose that first love. Don't lose that first love that Jesus talked about in the book of Revelation to the church of Ephesus, the first church that he mentioned. Your grace is packaged in that first love. Your future 
Your destiny is packaged in that first love. The power of God on your behalf is packaged in that first love. Can we say amen? I remember when I first got born again, the scriptures, like in those days, I didn't know many preachers because, you know, I was in Bangkok, Thailand. And I joined this organization called Their Glow. And I still remember, I would go to their glows meeting. Every time, I would ask questions. I would ask questions. And I still remember the president of the first glow. Her name is Carol Laujinda. She's from America. And every time, I would ask her question, question after question, question after question, question after question. Because I was an ignorant Catholic for so many years. I had the love of God, but I had no knowledge. And then when the Spirit touched me and got me and got my attention, it took a while for the Holy Spirit to get my attention. It took a while because he had to take me out of Hong Kong, out of my familiar place into Bangkok where I had no knowledge, no idea, no friends. And he got my attention. And I kept asking questions and questions and study and study and study and study. I was so hungry to know God. I took a taxi and I said, could you please drive me to where, you know, the Bible colleges are. And the taxi, you know, I don't know how he just drove me to different Bible colleges in Bangkok. Yes, there were Bible colleges there, but they were all in Thai. I could speak a lot of Thai, you know. How much is this? Can I buy this cheaper? You know, things like that. But I couldn't study my Bible in Thai. So I was quite disappointed. And I still remember I got home. And, uh, and as soon as I got home, opened the door, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm so happy that you didn't end up in a Bible college. I'm going to teach you. And then he started to teach me. He started to teach me. He started to teach me. Lift up your hands and say with me, by grace, I'm saved. When you have the grace, you don't have to worry. When you have the grace, you don't have to worry. God will take care of you. You don't have to worry about sickness and disease. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about missing out on anything. When you have the grace, when you have the grace, you have everything. Can we say amen? Can we have the the lyrics for potter's hand, please? I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. The potter's hand, that song. Can I ask you to stand up and just sing this with me? I want you to understand that songs were given by the Holy Spirit. Songs were given as a revelation to the musicians. And then they put music on top. The key is a revelation. The key is a revelation. The key is the spirit of the song. Let's sing this together. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior. I know for sure all of my days are held in your hands. 
crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Lift up your hands and say with me, lead me. Lead me. Lead me, Lord. I will follow you. I will follow you. Our commitment is to follow. God's commitment to us is to lead. Our commitment is to follow. And understand that in the journey of a Christian life, in your journey as a Christian, what the devil would do to you is to distract you from your calling. What the devil would do to you is to put hindrances and obstacles across your path to stop you from following God's leading. And he would do that. He will study you to know what will change you. He will study you to know what you prioritize. He will study you to know you what you treasure in order that he can distract you. And take you away from your calling. And our weapon against that is our consecration. Our consecration unto God. If you look at Luke chapter 2 verse 40. Luke chapter 2 verse 40. This is talking about Jesus. The grace of God was what? Upon him. We are talking about Jesus, the son of God, who came as the son of man. The son of man, the son of God. And what did he need in his earthly ministry? What did he need? Come on, tell me. Grace. If Jesus, if even Jesus needed grace, How much more you and I? Now, some of us, we started right. By grace, we were saved. We started right. But some of you started wrong. You got saved because of your wife. You got saved because of your kids. Or you got saved because of your sickness. Or you got saved because of anything else. And you started Halfway. And that's why you didn't know 
the Holy Spirit as much as those of us who started when we were down at the bottom. But his grace will continue to draw you. His grace will continue to teach you. His grace will continue to minister to you. So that you have more and more and greater and greater measure of the revelation of the grace of God. Somebody who got born again in prison would definitely be very different from somebody who got born again when he was a manager, an accountant, a successful architect. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Somebody who got born again like Saul on his way to Damascus when he was on his way to kill Christians. Who had already killed Christians. When he got born again. When he got his eyes opened. Of course. His salvation experience. Was very very different from us. Who didn't kill anybody. Before we got born again. Who didn't make any mistakes. Serious mistakes I'm talking about. Before we got born again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The measure of grace. That. Paul or Saul in those days experienced. That's why he penned. But I am who I am by the grace of God. Do you understand? Jesus, when he came to minister on earth as a man, as a covenant man, As an obedient believer, he had the grace. And he functioned by the grace. That's why signs, wonders, miracles followed him. Because it's the grace of God. Nobody can do signs, wonders, miracles without the grace. And if you listen to Paul... The apostle, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's a very heartfelt experience. It's a very heartfelt revelation. He said, I've been there, down in the pit. I know what it is like to be born again. I know what it is like to be delivered. I know what it is like to be saved. And I don't take it for granted. I labored more diligently. I labored more abundantly than my equals. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And if you look at Peter, what happened to Peter? What's so special about Peter? Come on, tell me, church. What's so special about Peter? He sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. 
Judah, oh yes, Judah sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter betrayed Jesus with the same spirit of betrayal. With the same spirit that cared for the self. The same spirit that cared for himself. Because he was afraid that they were going to catch him. It's the same spirit of self-preservation. I'm afraid when I come to church, I might catch COVID. It's the same spirit of self-preservation. Peter was no better than Judas. But what's the difference? He recognized it. He repented of it. So it was from the same pit that he got saved. And that's why when Jesus came back after the resurrection, what did he say? He told his disciples, go and tell them that I have come back, that I have resurrected. Go. And then he mentioned and tell Peter. Because he was there when Peter betrayed him. And he knew the heart of Peter, how Peter had been living in guilt and shame ever since that moment. And that's how devils try to get us. To get us to sin and get into that shame and guilt and sin again and back into that shame and guilt and sin again and back into the shame and guilt. Why? Because you did not understand grace. That's why this teaching is so, so important. Grace. Come on, say with me, grace. And Peter said in 2 Peter in chapter 3 verse 18. When he was finishing that epistle, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, what did he say? He said, grow in grace. Come on, say with me, grow in grace. After we had been born again, the next thing which is very, very important for us is to grow. Say with me, grow. So we had Jesus and we had two very powerful apostles. Paul, who was persecuting the church, Peter, who betrayed Jesus, both of them with their heartfelt experience and heartfelt revelations highlighted for us, the church, what's the most, most important is this revelation called grace. 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 Grace be unto you. It's mentioned more than 100 times in all the epistles. The grace of God be unto you is mentioned more than 100 times in all the epistles. We are talking about the writing of Paul, the writing of Peter, the writing of John, and the book of Revelation. They all spoke about and they all prayed for the church to have what? Grace. Lift up your hands and say with me, grace in my life. The grace of God in my life. The grace of God upon me. And I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. You know that Paul, when he was in his darkest moment, when he was in his downtime, 
when he was about to fail, he got this from Jesus. He got this from Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Very sad to say the religious spirit twisted it and tried to make it say you just suffer. You know, whatever comes to you, you just suffer because God's grace is sufficient for you. You don't have health, it's fine. You don't have money, it's fine. Just continue to suffer until you go to heaven. But that's not what God was talking about. My grace is sufficient for you. In the time of sickness, God's grace is your healing. In the time of depression, God's grace is your joy. In the time of poverty, God's grace is your provision. In the time of strife between husband and wife, God's grace is your reconciliation. My grace. My grace. Let me ask you, how many of you, if you have any strength left, you would do anything to save your children? Come on, lift up your hands. How many of you, if you were sick, if you could do anything, you would do anything to help yourself, to stop yourself from getting sick? Come on, lift up your hands. That's what it means. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why let the weak say that I am strong. Because of what the Lord has done for me. Amen. So grace is the ability of God on your behalf. So when you are in addiction and you find that it's really difficult for you to quit pot or quit marijuana, quit heroin, quit whatever, God's grace will deliver you from that addiction. You must call upon him, call upon him, call upon him. Amen. Don't, when you're in your weakness, don't keep saying, I don't know why I'm stuck. I don't know why I'm still doing this that I don't like to do. I don't know why I'm still, uh, you know, suffering from uh, uh, what, whatever, oppression, depression, addiction. Don't talk like that. When you are weak, you say, I am a child of God. I have the grace of God working in my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Change your language. Change your language. Change your language. That's why we've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit called praying in tongues. What's that for? For you to change your language at the time when you feel weak. When you're about to open your mouth and say, I can't handle this anymore. It is too difficult. I think I'm getting broke. Your mind tells you that you're talking rubbish. No, you're talking rubbish as far as your mind is concerned because whatever the mind doesn't understand is called rubbish. But you're not talking rubbish. It's the language that does not belong to this realm. It's the language that does not belong to this world. It's the language of heaven. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. It's my spirit by the Holy Spirit praise. 
When you're sorrowful, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're mad, when you're ashamed, when you're in guilt, get out of your humanity and get into your divinity in Christ Jesus. For you are members of his body. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. It's called living by faith and not by your five physical senses. Can we say amen? How many of you believe God for deliverance right now? Believe him. Function in another realm. Live in another realm. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. I want you to understand that 1 Thessalonians was written in 52 A.D. That was the first letter of Paul to the churches that he established. After he had been delivered from Judaism. So please understand that Paul was a fervent, fervent disciple of Judaism. He was so convinced that he was following the true God. He was so convinced of the Bible, the Old Testament. That he would kill anybody that tried to stop the spread of the word of God. Or he would try to kill anybody that would try to pervert so-called the Bible. And so he had been delivered from that. His experience of God was very fresh. He was in his first love. His heart was burning. His heart was on fire. And he had started churches. He had established this church called the Church of Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica. Understand that. You know, he's not like you and I reading the Bible. He was in it. He was living in it. And I want to show, I want to highlight the scripture to you. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. If anybody knew what grace was, it's Paul. Remember, he had seen miracles, signs, wonders. Remember how he had escaped from persecution. How he had escaped from those who stoned him, those who killed him, tried to kill him. And then he said to his first church, remember in those days they had no internet, okay? They could not text, you know, no text. And he wrote to his first letter to the church of Thessalonica. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. Knowing brethren, beloved. What did he say? Knowing what? Come on, tell me. What should they know? Come on, tell me. What did he say? Your election. We are talking about Saul. Who was saved from Judaism. Saved from Judaism. Into Christianity. The gospel. The truth. By the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit himself. He said, knowing brethren, beloved This is my love talking to you. And I want you to know one thing that is so, so important. What is that? Your election. Your election of God. Let me give you just a practical example. You know, 
in the time of tsunami, for example, a lot of people, you turn to the left and to the right around you, a lot of people were drowned, killed because of the tsunami. But there you, but there you are, just by yourself, floating on a log. Floating on a log all by yourself and you are not killed. Why? Because you are the elect of God. Left, right, and center, people going to hell. But you had been elected. You are the elect of God. That's what Paul was talking about. We're living in these days when so many Christians are trying to compromise. We're living in these days when so many Christians are trying to please that and please that. Why? Because we had lost sight of this very fact that we are the elect of God. We are the elect of God. And if you look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 5, Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 5, grace belongs to the elect. Grace belongs to the elect. I understand that as the church, you know, we can teach principles and principles and that the world uses our principles. The world uses the principles of confidence, the principle of faith. The world uses that. The world uses the principle of building an atmosphere. The world uses the principles of have a goal and a vision. But you cannot just have the principles without the relationship. And our relationship came by grace. I can teach you all day the principles, but if you don't understand grace, you will not be moving in the supernatural power of God. And if you look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 5, you have seen, this is God speaking to them. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. I remember when I first started my Bible, when I first started reading my Bible, the Old Testament, I couldn't understand. Wow, God, so many people got killed. I thought, you're the God of love. But then when I read the Old Testament, so many people got killed. One war after another. War and war and war and war. We'll get to that later. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to where? Myself. And brought you to myself. Go to verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my, com keep my covenant, then you shall be a what? Come on, read that with me. Special treasure to me above all people. What's the one word for that? The word that we just read. Elect. The election. That's why the Apostle Paul, because Paul knew this. 
Of course, Paul had read the book of Exodus. You think so? (laughs) You don't seem to be responding. You think Paul had read Exodus? Come on, tell me. Of course, he knew his Bible very, very well. And it's from this that the revelation came, the election of God. And that's why he wrote to his first church in his first letter. Remember your election of God. And this is still the message that God is speaking to us, his church. The Bible to the unbelievers, to the non-Christians is a closed book. The Bible is a coded book. You can only get to know the Bible when you know the author who is the Holy Spirit. Grace is not cheap. We don't chase after you. Would you like to be a Christian? No. We don't chase after you. Grace is not cheap. We need to know what it is. You need to know who you are. You need to know what you have. You need to know that you are in a higher position. Thank you, Jesus. I know that there are churches because they hire pastors. There are churches that hire pastors and they have what's called the board. The board of elders. And what they would do is they would just, you know, collect the, they collect the offering, they go to the back, they smoke, they drink, and they count the offering. And then at the end of the service, they come back to church. And yet, what do they want to do? To control the pastors. Why? Because the pastors were hired. Control them. Because they are your employees. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I also know people, you know, because I'm now in Australia, you know, I don't have work to do. I'm a Christian. I want to study and then I will get a job. I'll be a pastor. You think it works? It won't work because you can have a, have, you can be a pastor like you want to be an engineer. You can be a pastor like you want to study to be a doctor. This does not come by study. This does not come by studies. This does not come by our choice. This is the choice of God. Can we say amen? We are the elect. Don't forget your election of God. Whatever you do, a doctor, an architect, a carpenter, uh, uh, an electrician, uh, whatever you do is where you are called, is where you are placed. Can we say amen? It's the election of God. Can we say amen? Amen. It's so important that we understand that. And if there's an election for us to do what God has called us to do, There has to be a grace that comes upon the election. It's just like how many of you bake cakes? How many of you do like birthday cakes? Cakes? What do you do 
What do you put on top of the cake? Icing or cream. What is cream? You put cream on top of the cake. What's the definition of cream? Cream is the richest part of the milk that rises to the top. That's why it's called cream when you whip it, right? It's the richest part of the milk that rises up to the top. It's called the grace. So when we talk about the grace, we're talking about God putting on you his oil. God, put, God putting on you his cream to do what he has called you to do. The grace that comes with the elect, the grace that comes with the calling, or you can call it your spiritual endowment. Spiritual endowment. The devil's counterfeit of grace is luck. You know, sometimes we say, that person seems to be so lucky. It's like everything he does works. That's the devil's counterfeit of God's grace. The world's counterfeit of grace is money. With money, money makes the world go around. With money, I can do whatever, I can get whatever. That's the world's counterfeit of grace is money. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. And the devil's, I've talked about the devil's counterfeit of grace is what? Luck. The world's counterfeit of grace is what? Money. The flesh, the flesh, our flesh, the human. The flesh counter, counterfeit of grace is what? Struggles. Toiling. I work hard to get what I want. I struggle hard to get what I want. I think hard to get what I want. I study hard to get what I want. That's the flesh, the flesh's counterfeit of grace. Well, I know somebody would say, well, in that case, I don't have to study then. Well, second, let's go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Peter said, Wherefore, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and what? Election sure. Continue to read. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. This is a very powerful statement. This is Peter talking. Peter, whose shadows heal the sick. He said what? To give diligence. We work hard. Work hard to do what? To make our calling and election. Sure. And then the Holy Spirit had not finished. What did the Holy Spirit say? For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Wow. So can I ask you, church, if you have somebody next to you who is falling asleep, could you please elbow that person? Okay. 
can I ask you, so what is the most important thing that both Paul and Peter are saying? Come on, tell me. Make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and your election sure. You need to know your calling. You need to know your election. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Don't be so frustrated. Don't be so hurt. Don't be so ashamed of, you know, everything around you and miss your election and your calling. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So let me ask you a question. Do we have to gain that grace? Can you gain it? Can you earn it? No, no. You're called into the grace of Christ. You're called by his grace. And let me ask you, where is the grace? Where's the grace? In your soul, in your body, or in your spirit? In your spirit. In your spirit. So when you're praying in tongues, your spirit by the Holy Spirit prays, what are you doing? You're stirring up the grace. I believe that one of the greatest, if I can put it this way, one of the greatest grace that God had given to the church is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And don't let anybody stop you or hinder you from receiving that. It's very simple. You just get it by faith. Just by faith. You don't just wave with some kind of emotions. You don't just wave with some kind of feelings. Just by faith. Open your mouth. And it just flow. And the devil will attack your mind and tell you you're, you're speaking rubbish. The devil will attack your mind. You don't know what you're saying. What do you, how do you answer the devil? Come on. How do you answer the devil? By faith. <laughs> How do you answer the devil? By faith. The devil keeps telling you, you are not healed, you are not healed, you have this sickness and you have that sickness. How do you answer the devil? By faith. By his stripes, I am healed. <laughs> do you get it? Let me finish with this. Understanding grace is fundamental to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't understand grace, you will try to work and work and work, and it becomes so tiring. You become a very dutiful Christian, and you lose the joy. You lose the spontaneity. So understanding grace is fundamental to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to walking and living in after the Spirit. So can I finish with this? Job. 29 verse 6. Job 29 verse 6. Job 29 verse 6. Now, this is Job. He was suffering from pain. He was, he was scratching his skin. Scrape, you know, he had a piece of pottery and started to, you know, to scratch his skin. Scrapping his skin. And then he started to recall and he started to remember. 
He started to recall and he started to remember his good days. When he was anointed. When it was flowing in the Holy Ghost. And then he said in verse 26, uh, in verse 6, when my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. Remember just now I told you about cream. What's another word for the anointing? Oil. What did Samuel pour on David to anoint him as king? Oil. What's so special about oil and what's so special about cream? Come on, tell me. They smoothen. 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 What if you step on oil? You can slip. What if you step on cream? You can slip. He said, when my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. He said, when everything was so smooth for me, everything went smoothly for me. I was just following the Holy Spirit. I was so graced. I was so favored. Whatsoever I did prospered. He said, when I talked, people would listen. When I helped, they would get help. Why? Because the grace of God was upon Job. When did he miss it? Come on, tell me. When did he miss it? When he was worried about his children. When he was worried about his children, he got into fear. He was so worried. How many of you know that? I want to finish with this. Don't believe the devil. Don't believe in his news. Don't believe in his premonition. Don't believe in his omens. Why? Because your faith will make it happen. That's why he wanted to convince you that he was true. And that's why People could be driven by toxic emotions. Anger drives. Anger provokes. Fear drives. Fear provokes. Because if the devil could take over your soul, which is made up of your will, your thoughts, and your emotions, he could get into your spirit. And when your spirit is defiled, corrupted, then the devil who is a spirit and his demons who are also spirits, then they can corrupt the human spirit to the extent that they can no longer be saved. It is not the will of God to send anybody to hell. It's not the will of God to punish some people and send them to hell. This is the answer for the question. Is God, you know, a, a respecter? He has a favorites. He only favored the Christians. No. 
The sad news is that there will be Christians that go to hell. Because they may having a, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The word of God says, from those stay away. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. It's the heart. It's the spirit. It's the heart. It's not like when I come to the temple, then I, you know, I will be a believer because I have burned my incense. No. No. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. It's the heart. It's the spirit. It's not that God was favoring some and not favoring some. No, 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 no. It's the spirit. If that person allowed demons to keep coming in and to keep coming into the soul, keep coming into the soul, keep coming into the soul, and from the soul to defile the spirit, from the soul to defile the spirit, then what happened? Then that person will arrive at the place where there is no return. And that's why it's so important for us to stand in the gap and pray. When you stand in the gap and pray, it doesn't mean that that person will get saved, but the light will shine on that person. The light will shine on that person. As long as he or she is still alive, God can send harvesters. And because you have been praying for them, the light is on them. They will repent and turn to God. When we talk about grace, we're talking about levels. When we're talking about grace, we're talking about measures. Your grace can rub on your family members. Your grace can protect your family members. That's why the grace that was with David came on Solomon. It's the grace. It's the grace. And that's why Peter said, grow in the grace. The last thing that we want to do as Christians is just to go through the motion. It's the spirit. And not just together as a church, corporately, which is very, very important, but yourself individually as well. It's very important. This message is very important, especially when we're living in the end times. Jesus said, don't gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Amen. Be a believer. Believe the fact that you have been elected of God. Say with me, I've been elected. I do not forget my election. And stay there and stay there and grow in the grace. Can we say amen? amen? Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have the musicians to come? Can we sing that song one more time? Uh, the potter's hand. Can we come, please? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.